Welcome to another episode of Too Real, a podcast where two women of color talk movies and TV. Serving 100% realness, piping hot. <laughs> we are your hosts, Ali J. And Patty Nunez. It's good to be back, y'all. Finally, after a long time away, um, don't think that we care any less about this show. Both Ali J and I have just had a lot of shit going on. Um, just, you know, two grown ass women taking, trying to take care of shit. So here we are today. Uh, we have another action packed episode today. Um, we're going to tell you about some of the stuff we're watching, the latest on movie news, and of course, the meat and potatoes, which is uh, Tarantino, the main dish, right? Yes. <laughs> that was really true. <laughs> I like it. So, like, to start off, uh, L.E.J., what are you watching lately? Um, I'm actually watching She's Gotta Have It and a TV show that's based on Spike Lee's um, famous movie from the 80s, I believe. And um, it's it's really good, but I'm sad to say that their Netflix is actually canceling it after the second season. Um, and I was actually listening to another podcast where the main character, Nola, the actress that plays her, um, was talking and she was saying how with um, streaming services like Netflix and stuff, um, binge, uh, binge watching actually hurts ratings because, you know, if you're into Netflix, you're going to watch a whole show at once. But if they release it, I think um, they were saying if you don't watch it within three days of it coming out, that's how they determine the ratings. So from there, oh, so I feel like it's not really fair because if you're already stuck on one show, a lot of times you want to finish that one before you go to another yeah, one. Yeah, that's true. So it doesn't really give um, shows a chance to do well and like get an accurate um, number on like how many people are watching it. I have to add, though, I think their marketing department kind of lags on that. Like... They don't really... When have you ever seen that show promoted? No, I just see, like, because uh, if, if they know you watch it, you'll get an email saying, oh, it's back. But, yeah. like, I saw it at the top of Netflix for, like, a couple days, and then now it's already at the bottom. So to find it, you have to either be watching it already or search it. It doesn't, like, come up as one of the shows. So I feel like they mm-hmm. are pretty clever as far as what shows they advertise. Just like Santa Clarita Diet. I mean, that was a really popular show, and all of a sudden it's getting canceled, and I'm like... Oh, yeah, a lot of those Santa Clarita Diet fans are, like, super pissed. Yeah. Like, every single... Every uh, single, like, social media outlet that I follow Netflix on, every single time they announce a new show, it'll always be like, bring back Santa Clarita Diet. I think it goes back to that, though, the binge-watching, like... You know, I have certain shows that I always watch, but if I'm in the middle of one show, I'm going to finish that one before I move on to the next. And I don't think they are accurately capturing, like, how many people watch it. Right. So I think that's the part that kind of sucks. It's not like a regular... Um, weekly TV show that you're yeah. watching and they can measure it. And not, on that. not only that, but not some people like to savor their, you know, their TV. Like not everybody binges, you know. That's some of true. us got, you know, I, I don't know. I don't think that should be an accurate form. If that's true, like that's not. I think bad. they need to find a better way to, um, to find out how many people are actually watching. Right. Like who actually finishes shows in a different matter, you know? Yeah. I agree. I agree. Are you watching anything else? Um. Yeah, mostly like ratchet reality shows. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think She's Gotta Have It is the one that I'm watching right now on Netflix. And then um, just my regular line of of my reality shows. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, I actually have, I'm very excited to talk about this because they're, well, actually all of these shows, but one in particular. And so I'm going to talk, I'm going to start with that one. So I recently started watching Shit's Creek. (laughs) 
Okay, I think I've heard of that. It's like a Canadian uh, comedy sitcom, and it's so fucking funny. Like, it's been a while since I found a show that I could easily binge watch that way because it's so easy. It's so, like, digestible. (laughs) sense. And, like, um, one of the things I really like, it's, like, starting Eugene and Daniel, I think it's Levi or Levy. I can't, I don't know how to, I could totally. Levy. Levy, yeah. I've heard it both ways, actually, so I'm not sure. Yeah, well, I don't know. Like, it's those, uh, their father and son. And then it's Catherine O'Hara, which, do you know who that is? Yeah. Because I didn't fucking know who that was. Like, I knew she looked familiar, but she's from fucking Casper. She comes out of Casper. (laughs) I think that's insane. Okay, well, it's it's so fucking funny and like um i think it's daniel levi's or levy's character who's like a openly like pansexual character and like they're very like they do it in a way that's so graceful and like not tiring at all like it's not like they're not trying to push an agenda or anything or like push any sort of like stereotype it's just so refreshing to watch a show like that where this character like you know, all of the characters are super funny and it's like um it's one of those shows like again it's so easy to just like get into so if you're if you're not watching them you should check it out it re- i don't know if it recently came on netflix but i just started watching it on netflix and there's like four seasons out they were recently nominated for a bunch of emmys for the first time so yeah uh get a get in on that because i okay. think you'll like it um another thing i started watch. Oh, i have two more shows that i am watching that i think deserve a little bit of a shout out the second one is also on netflix and it's a food show (laughs) it's called the taco chronicles Hmm. if you're into food um especially tacos this is your shit you should watch this it's a really good fucking show that breaks down each episode by the type of taco so they have like episode one is like carnita no uh episode one is al pastor like episode two is like carnitas and then episode three is like canasta tacos which they're not very like not a lot of people know those yeah they make them in like a basket with those sauce and they're steamed and they're fucking delicious and when i was in mexico earlier this year like i had them almost every single fucking day because that's not a thing that they sell here like regularly but over there people sell them like on their bikes and stuff and it's like they literally ride around on a bike with a big ass basket in the back and like steamed tacos and they're super cheap like they're just so delicious but this episode um it's i mean this tv show or this series it's like so beautifully done and like um it's it's beautiful to watch it's like uh it gives you like a deep history of the taco like where it came from like how it originated and um where it is now and the way that like more elevated kitchens are taking it and like crazy stuff like that so if you have a chance watch that just don't watch it on an empty stomach because it will get you hungry and uh lastly euphoria i think we talked about this yeah did you start watching that no not yet okay like i told you i'm one of those binge watchers but um i did hear good stuff about that someone else actually just mentioned that to me earlier this week yeah it's really good um at first i was a little kind of uh like not uncomfortable but it was i I didn't like the way they were like overly sexualizing teens Mm -hmm. um but a lot of the storyline uh it revolves around like a girl that's like a recovering drug addict and um i just when i saw that i was like oh shit this is another one of those like you know fucking shows that are just glamorizing drugs and all this um but it wasn't like that at all it kind of shows a very um i want to say like accurate portrayal of what it is to see like you know the very ugly sides of like drug addiction and struggling with that as like a young adult you know young person growing up and there's also like a main transgender character who's like the beautiful hunter schaefer i think is her name she's she's a model turned actress she's so good on that show and 
Um, yeah, I think that's another one I think you should watch. I know you'll like it. I okay. think it's very old, but it's really fucking crazy. So, yeah, heads up, don't watch it in front of kids or your parents because it will get awkward. <laughs> I love awkward. I don't know if you'd like this kind of awkward. Okay. It's pretty fucking out there. <laughs> but, so yeah, that's what I have for that. Um, do you have anything on movie news today? Um, just, you know, this is probably like weeks ago, but I think it's something that's going to still be something we're talking about until the movie actually gets released and that's um the big controversy controversy over there being a black um ariel casted oh for the God. the real life um little mermaid yeah people are really ridiculous like, really yeah a lot of people are going as far as to say that they're ruining their childhood and i'm like how in this isn't real that's what <laughs> like, i was saying i'm like you guys are um, getting upset over something that doesn't exist. Exactly. And you think that you guys have claim to everything. And I'm like, you've stolen everything from everyone. But then right. you think that it can only be seen in your way. In your eyes. And what about the girls growing up now? It's like, don't they deserve a childhood where they could see a black little mermaid? Like, I don't understand. Not only that, that. like, um, Princess and the Frog. Like, Tiana is, like, one of the top princesses. I think she's, like, one of the most popular one. So that shows, you know, how important it is to have... Um, princesses that are women you know, of color. Yeah. So I, I think it's, I think it's good. I know that was insane to me when I was reading that. Like people on everywhere and all social media uh, sites that I was on, it was always like a literally a war out there. People battling it out over how Little Mermaid had to be, you know, had to have a certain skin color. And it's like I don't really think that's how it works. So it's a remaking. It's not a exact shot of you know what i mean like yeah of whatever you had this that was animated you know she she i, I also am telling you right now she's also not gonna have a real tail like exactly what the hell do you want you know like i think it's just annoying because um people don't like when um people take creative license they want it to be exactly the same mm -hmm. and that's the problem with this country like if we stay the same nothing's gonna change like we need to Amen. progress and do different things like I agree. You can't stay stagnant. I agree. And so I'm happy about this. Yeah, She's very too. talented. She's a talented actress. She's actually on one of the shows that I love to watch. I think I mentioned it before, Grownish. Um, oh, yeah. Her and her sister are on there, and she's she's a she's talented so actress. Yeah. yeah, and she's a very talented singer. So, I mean, I think that's better than picking someone who looks like the cartoon Ariel exactly, and she can't sing or act just because she looks like her. Right. you got to have more than that. And I think it's about embodying the character, and I think she can definitely do that. Regardless right, she's of youthful, innocent. That's what well, Ariel's character is. Right. And she's someone that's naive, doesn't really know what she, you know what I mean? And she's young. She's, I, think, I think that's insane. People are really pissed about the... When that Harry Potter um, and the Cursed Child play came out, and they made Hermione black too, and that was also a big old thing. And it wasn't until um, the writer, why can't I think of her names? J.K. Rowling? J.K. Rowling. <laughs> I was like, I can't think of her name. I was going to say something completely different right now. Well, she said, I was like, well, we never really mentioned her. I haven't read the books. Don't kill me for oh listening. Oh my gosh, I never you knew that. Know, yeah, I did tell you that. I never read that. I probably, I probably blacked it out because. The books are awesome. I know, yeah. I know, I, I just never... One, like, I, was, I think I was, like, in fifth grade when they first came out. And, like, it was uh, by then I was... I get it because, yeah. like, if you don't... You didn't read them when you were a kid, now the movies are out, so it's like, are you going to really go back yeah, and read that? Yeah, it was kind of like that. Especially when you're an adult. Yeah. Like, when you're a child, you have so much free time to read them, but as an adult, those books are really freaking thick, so yeah. when would you have time? No, at this point... Like, I've thought about it. I'm like, eh, I'm not going to go back and reread them, though. Like, I already know what happens, like, because I am a big fan of the movies. But 
at this point I wouldn't. But so I don't know if she ever does mention that Hermione is white in the book, but I think at some point JK Rowling tweeted that Hermione was never mentioned that she was black or white. She just she's described a certain way and casted a certain way in the movie, but she wasn't supposed to be white. Like no one said that she was white. I think so, it's just like when you read a book, especially if it doesn't give details like that, you automatically you picture something. Face, yeah. yeah, so everyone has a different idea of what she would look like until right. you saw the movies and exactly. then and then you're like, Oh, okay, that's what she's supposed to look like. But again, that's just an interpretation. That exactly. doesn't mean that's exactly, you know. Well said. Agreed. All right, got anything else on movie news? Or- um, That was it. Uh, yeah, that I know of. Oh, okay. Uh, I just have, I guess, two movies that I'm kind of excited to see. One of them looks very white. Um, <laughs> it's with Robert Pattinson and William Dafoe. It's called The Lighthouse. But it looks really fucking creepy. And it's. I noticed that this production company, A24, they've been putting out a lot of movies that are like just my cup of tea. So, like, literally everything that they've put out in the past couple, the recent uh, years has been like really good. Like, so Florida Project, Eighth Grade, uh, Mid 90s, all of (laughs) these movies. I was like, oh, you know what? I think that would probably be a good scary movie. So, I'm going to check it out. And then they also have uh, Blinded by the Light. Um, I don't know if you've seen that one, the trailer to that one. Mm-mm. If you guys haven't seen it, it looks it's really it looks really cute. I'm very excited to see that one too. But it's about a boy who uh, I don't wanna I don't wanna say this wrong. I don't know if he's Indian in the movie. He's like the main character, and he's like from a traditional like Indian family. Oh wait, I think I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he listens to Bruce Springsteen for the mm-hmm. first time, and his like life changes, and he's just like really into it. And his parents are like, "What the fuck are you?" Because <laughs> he wants to be a writer, and it's not something that i guess like his family just wants him to be successful and focus on school and not girls and writing and things that aren't considered you know a career per se so yeah i'm excited to see that and i I was reading a little bit about it and um the i guess it's based on a book and the author says that this story is kind of like semi-autobiographical because it was his story growing up like he was also brought up in this very strict household in london where kids you know people were really fucking racist and like you know he heard bruce springsteen and to him he felt like he connected with him instantly because he's like oh that's my family you know growing up middle class like you know trying to make it through even though you know when you think bruce springsteen i think very american yeah (laughs) but you know he he very much connected with him and connected with his lyrics and um, I'm excited to see how they put that on film. So Yeah, I think I, I remember seeing the previews. Yeah. They just recently started showing them. Yeah, just recently. Yeah. yeah, I'm excited. I think it comes out like mid-August or so. But yeah, check if you haven't already, check out the link. Or check out the um, trailer. So with that, it's, uh, it's time, you guys. It's time <laughs> to feast. We're about to have our main course with a side of meat and potatoes. Here we are. And today's main dish is Mr. Quentin Tarantino in honor of his uh, latest latest movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which we will not be giving any spoilers. We will just be giving you, um, how how would you say it? Like a Um, take? We're just going to kind of compare it to his previous films and just give you like overall highlights but nothing that that would spoil it yeah spoil it you'll still want to watch it um but yeah just our take on it compared to other ones because i think for the most part we've seen most of his movies or at least between the two of us we've seen all his movies so yes so okay so with that uh we'll start off giving you just a little bit of a little mini biography a little bit of uh mr tarantino himself 
Um, he was born in Tennessee in 1963, moved to California when he was four. He developed his admiration for films at a very early age. I think you had something on this, right? Uh, oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, his, stop, his stepfather actually encouraged his love of movies, and he let him watch um, like more adult movies just so that... Um, he could get ideas and be entertained by it. So his his um, stepfather was a big influence. Yeah, yeah big influence and yeah. um, supporter of his dreams. Yeah, he was apparently not a big fan of school. Like, he really hated it. Um, oh, by the way, all this information is coming from biography.com. Um, well, at least my part. I don't know where Alicia got hers. She'll, I'll tell you later. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he really did not like school. He eventually dropped out of high school, and he got a job as an usher at an adult film theater, <laughs> which is... <laughs> Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, actually. Um, later, he got a job at a video store where he worked on uh, several scripts, including True Romance and Natural Born Killers. Um, so do you have anything else on his little growing up here? Oh, um, I was just going to say he started his um, filmmaking career with Reservoir Dogs in 1992. Um, it funded the... Um, Oh, he was funded by selling his uh, his script for True Romance. Um, and this is kind of cool. I didn't know his middle name was Jerome. I didn't know that either. Isn't that... That's funny. That is funny. Um, Jerome Tarantino. Yeah, hmm. they were saying that uh, Film Magazine um, deemed Reservoir Dogs the greatest independent film of all time. Yeah, that's... And with that, Pulp Fiction um, was also described to be both a commercial and critical success, um, making $108 million at the box office and becoming the first independent movie to do so. It received seven Academy Award nominations and one Best Original Screenplay, which is a pretty big deal because indie movies don't really make movie um like you know money like that, huh? Yeah, no. Mostly because they don't fucking play them in theaters, but, I mean, most theaters. Um... So, uh, in 19, well, from here I have a couple of points where it doesn't necessarily pertain to his, like, career as a film, um, maker, but, uh, I know that he has, you know, he went on to make Jackie Brown in 1997, which was a tribute to black exploitation films, mm-hmm. and I think you have something on that too, right? Oh, no, I was just saying black sport. yeah, I just have the same thing that you, you Oh, have. okay, okay. So, um, with that, though, I read that it was very well received, the movie, but Spike Lee objected to Tarantino's overuse of the N-word in the movie, which kind of brings us to another point. Um, Tarantino likes to use that word a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much he, in all his movies. He's a little movies. problematic, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a big fan of his movies, um, and something that I've I've kind of had to struggle with a lot um, is, one, like, right now at this point, ethically-wise, like, how, how would one say that, is it okay to separate an artist from his art, you know? And that's something I've kind of struggled with because it kind of... It's kind of hard for me to say like, oh, you know, um, I'm going to keep I'm going to keep liking this movie, even though I know now you're a terrible person. (laughs) Right. You know, and with um, Quentin Tarantino, we come we come to find out that he uh, I mean, it was something not that necessarily that we noticed just recently. But I mean, just as a FYI, um, this isn't necessarily a spoiler, but there's points in his latest movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where he uses, um, you know, racial epithets you know towards mexicans i'm not gonna bother repeating that hateful sentiment but you know there's a lot of hate in a lot of his movies and 
directed towards black people as well. I mean, me and Alicia, you want to tell them about that? What we just? Oh yeah, um, Patty was telling me about um, Pulp Fiction because don't hate me guys, but I haven't seen it yet, <laughs> and I know it's a classic. Um, but uh, they were saying how, or she told me how he wrote um, his part in there just so he could say the N word, and um, she, you know she showed me a clip from the movie where he comes in because he he mostly he always has like little cameos in his his uh, movies, not all the time, but a lot of times. And I think we were in like 30 seconds and he said the N-word at least four or five times within yep. that 30 seconds. And it was a two-minute clip, but it was like so much. Yeah, if you've seen Pulp Fiction, you know what yeah, part. Yeah, we, we decided just to, to shut it down. And um, I guess there was a, after that clip, they showed um, him at some kind of award show. And he's talking about how um, people were so like upset with him using the, the N-word so many times. But he said like back then that's what they did. So I'm not going to sugarcoat the way I did it. But then I understand him doing Which is it. funny. Can I, can I touch on that really yeah. quick? That you say that because he does say in that, in that interview that he's not going to sugarcoat history by reducing the amount of times like he said the N-word because that's really how many times he said that. But he's known to create films that do sort of like, you know, where he revisions... He over-exaggerates Yeah, so but you, have, you have absolutely no fucking problem doing that for like just recently, like... Once upon a time in Hollywood. Not this isn't a spoiler, but I mean, you should know that this movie coming in, it kind of relates or it kind of mirrors an event that happened with you know the Sharon Tate, you know Manson family murders. So I mean that kind of, you know he has no problem revising history to his creative. So uh, to me that was a little funny that he had to say that specifically. Well, no, but I what I thought was funny is like okay in the movie I understand that you're. that's a, the character you're playing, but then if they're talking to you during an interview, why do you still feel the need to drop the the N-word because you're not in character anymore? So that's just another reason right. for you to use it. I agree. That's kind of like, why the fuck? Like, can you chill the fuck out? Yeah. And then you want to talk? He just says it so freely, which is kind of like, I just don't get Yeah. He says it very comfortably. That's why, I, that's what scares me. I was going to, well, I guess we can get to it, but um, I just, a couple weeks ago, um, I had seen a movie because my little brother said it was one of his favorites, and it's The Hateful Eight. Have you seen that one? No, it's I, I have it on my watch list uh, on Netflix it, right now. It's the same yeah. thing. Like he says some pretty racist things about Hispanic people too in that one. Uh, what's it called? Tarantino himself? Um, no, not uh, him. His but characters. Yeah, some of the characters. Yeah. They make it's like a whole scene about it. And see, that's what I don't. That's what I was like. I don't think you've seen it because you would have. Yeah, I would have brought that up. Yeah, no, no, that one I haven't seen. It's on my watch list, but who knows now? For and this is kind of like random, but when I was getting, um, like when I was watching this movie, I was with a friend, and um, she's like, "I guess you can watch that," but I'm not really a fan of Tarantino's, and I was always a big fan, so I was like, "Why?" And she was saying that she feels like his movies are overly violent, and then he just he does things for the shock value, not necessarily to tell a story, because I guess she was telling me in Pulp Fiction, there's a scene where um, a man is sodomized. Oh, yeah. And she's like, it goes on forever. She's like, it wasn't necessary. That's actually it one of those... <laughs> it's funny that you say that, but that's actually one of the reasons why I have to... If I watch that movie, I have to skip over that part, yeah. because it's a little fucking much. I'm not going to lie. It is. And he, it's. I agree with your friend. I completely agree. There is a lot of things that are done over shock value. This doesn't take away from the fact that he's a really great writer. He's a great writer in a lot of aspects. He can write very, um, you know, 
crazy storylines and then put them all together and somehow it works as a fucking movie. No one's going to discredit that. However, he's very fucking problematic. <laughs> let's, let's, let's address that. Let's get, you know, elephant in the room. He's very fucking problematic. Like, that's the... A lot of the times, I feel like it is a lot of, you know, um, white male privilege that lets him think that he can get away with saying things like that for the sake of historical accuracy. And I'm like, I don't think that's this, that's not how it works, man. Like, right. you don't get to fucking rewrite history and then just say, but this part is very accurate. And it's right. like, eh. I, I'm You're gonna... taking a lot of creative license with that. Yeah. So, yeah, with that, that's true. There is a scene like that where a man is, uh, yeah, you know what? We can, we can, we can talk about that at another time. But yeah, that that's very true. He does do a lot of things for shock value. And so with that, at what point, like, does one, you know, that's what I'm, and that's where I t- it ties back to what I was saying earlier about when we can separate the art from, you know, the artist. And that was like the same disappointment I had with uh, Woody Allen. I was going to say that. I was going to say that. I fucking. Because I know we're not supposed to like his movies, but I know I still do. And I mean, I can't. We liked him before knowing that yeah. he was what it, what he was, right? Or he is, right? But my problem, my beef with that is that um, at this point, like, I don't want. I mean, I already bought the movies. Like, it's right. too late. This is before I knew anything. Right. Okay. But at this point, it's like, what do I do? You know what I mean? Like. I don't want to keep fat in his pockets. 20, he doesn't deserve yeah. that either. So I'm not going to buy any new movies. And I'm probably, I mean, I was going to say, I'll just buy them outside the supermarket. But I, I think that's the problem when people are so talented and um, they have issues. It's kind of like we put their genius ahead of like them their, as a person yeah, and the fact that ethics. they're not good people. Because it's like, well, we can forgive that because they're so... They're so right. talented, and that's something that like we kind of struggle with. But like you said, if this was something we knew before, we probably wouldn't even have. Seen I wouldn't have movies. bothered. Yeah. Yeah, but now that we've seen them and we're kind of invested, it's kind of hard to to go back. But now we can look forward with a um, more open awareness of things and kind of like a hesitancy as far as like what to expect and maybe go back and watch those movies and see things that we didn't see before. Yeah. So with that, we want to know your opinion, you guys. If you guys can uh, write in, let us know. Um, how do you do you separate the art from the artist? Why or why not? Let us know. Because it's something that I struggle with on a regular basis. It's like, I don't want to fucking support these pedophiles, these fucking racists. But at the same time, it's like, I didn't fucking know that when I watched this movie and I really liked it. I, I mean, it's not like we can say, like, oh, wow, turn back time and say, oh, this is not a good movie. I don't want to support you anymore. Don't want to fatten your pockets, but it's you know I can't some, say yeah. it's not a good movie. Some you of know? these movies are a part of like growing not up. Not how I identify myself, but like if I were to say like what movies can you relate to or mo- what movies really hit, and I would say I love Inglorious Bastards. I love um, They Go and Train. Yeah, I love. Um, I said Django. I'm in Django. I'm tired. <laughs> it's been a long day. The D is silent. Um, yeah, and then Death Proof is like. All oh, about my, women. Yeah. And that's a good thing that I do like about him is he does um tend to use the same actors that he likes. Like he has like a like a, a list of a list like, of people that he likes and Samuel you tend to see Jackson, him in different Brad movies. Pitt, yeah. Uh, the guy that plays what's Kurt Russell. Am I tripping? I'm fucking Yeah, tripping. you're you're tripping. Well, it's uh something Russell, right? Um Goldie Hawn's uh husband or lifelong partner. It'll it'll come to me right. Oh, it'll come to me. But then he also not uses, Kurt Russell. <laughs> Sorry, Kurt Russell. <laughs> he uses um, 
Zoe, she's like a big Oh, Zoe's Aldana. No. No, her name is just Zoe something, but she's all she's um not Australian, but she's uh, Oh my god, I'm tripping. No, I'm so sorry. I'm thinking of the other woman in Death Proof. Apparently we don't fucking know any of her. No, <laughs> but her name is Zoe yeah. and she's a stunt woman and she's from um Kiwi. What is it? Not Australia, but the New one, Zealand? New Zealand, yeah. Okay. And she's in the Hateful Eight. So I mean Oh, is she? Yeah, so he does okay. have people that he likes to use again and Oh man, it's gonna bug me because I love him. I know it's also like Russell, I mean, um, Goldie Hawn's husband. That's a, that's not how I should describe him, but I can't think of his name right now. Yeah. But anyway, um, it's kind of cool to see them in different roles, but seeing how they're all kind of connected. I don't know. I okay, just, I have to say something about okay. that actually. I'll let you say about how they're all connected. So I recently came across because I this had never even remotely occurred to me. I mean, I think a lot of people do this where they try like if a director has like you know a set of movies that he released, even though they're different you know genres or different whatever, they always try to connect them or link them in some way, right? So I found an article um, from Esquire dot com um, that talks about how all of the Tarantino movies are connected. I can see that. So they're, I know, I can see it now. I never thought about it before, but I can see it now. So they talk about how, um, let's see, there's a scene, I guess, in Pulp Fiction. Have you seen the Kill Bills? Yeah. Okay, I have not, so you're going to have to tell me if this is true or not. So there's a scene in Pulp Fiction where Mia Wallace, uh, Uma, Uma, is it Uma Thurman? Mm-hmm. I never know how to pronounce actors' names. So you guys should know this by now. But Uma Thurman, her character is describing um, a I guess like this uh, TV pilot that she was in where she talks about how she was a group of female secret agents and her character was the deadliest woman in the world with a knife. Does that sound familiar at all? Uh-huh. From Kill Bill? Mm-hmm. Is that how the other, her other character is described? Yeah. Okay. So apparently there's, that's just one little example of how they mix things. Like in the most recent movie in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, there's a time where um, somebody describes... Cliff, which is Brad Pitt's character, as a fucking war hero. And it's like, they never touch on anything from him being, you know, in the war or anything like that. So it makes it link back to Inglorious Bastards, right? Where he was also, you know, uh, well, you know, if you've, you haven't seen Inglorious Bastards, it's about a bunch of uh, Jewish American soldiers fighting Nazis, right? So he was like, a, he was a hero in that. But then also, if you remember. The guy, we can't think of his name, and I'm going to kill myself because I'll think about it as soon as we're yeah. done recording. Russell something, I don't know. Um, he, remember he was Stuntman Mike? Yes. And, uh, That's my next point. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, yeah, he was Stuntman yep. Mike and Death Proof, and then on this one, he was like a stuntman. Yes. Uh, remember I said that so to you? That's also, that's also yeah. tied to this because, okay, so get this. So in Tarantino, uh, 2017, Tarantino told an Australian, Australian news outlet that there's the realer than real universe, all right, after being asked, by the way, about this, you know, universe of Tarantino movies being connected. So this is what his response was. There's the realer than real universe, all right, and all the characters inhabit that one. But then there's this movie universe. And so from Dusk Till Dawn, Kill Bill, they all take place in the special movie universe. So basically, when the characters of Reservoir Dogs or Pulp Fiction, when they go to the movies, Kill Bill is what they go see. From Dusk Till Dawn is what they see. That's a direct quote from him. So... It kind of makes me think about how in most of his movies, he kind of features a lot of like movie scenes mm-hmm. or someone's always watching something. And um, Esquire, this article, which I'm going to we're going to link this, you guys, because I think it's a really good and fascinating read. And I think you should check it out. It's I'm pretty sure I'm not telling it exactly how it should be, but um, 
They said every single one of Tarantino's films have existed as a synthesis of popular culture for the last century. His films explore our relationship to movies and television and how they influence our perception of the real world. He's also long used these same films as a way to create his own revisionist history, crafting his own cinematic version of the world events. And I think that's very accurate as to what he does with these, you know, movie universes. There, he also features a bunch of, like, um, a lot of products that come out in a lot of his movies mm-hmm. get featured along in other movies. So, like, Red Apple Cigarettes, where was that featured before? That was featured somewhere. I can't remember if it's Django or if it's Hateful Eight that they mentioned that he... I think it might be Django, Django right? Yeah, because yeah. they don't really... Yeah, Red Apple Cigarettes um, has... Uh, you know, so that gets featured. Big Kahuna Burgers gets featured in multiple things. Pulp Fiction is one of them. Like, the main one, at least when I think of Big Kahunas, that's what I always think, Pulp Fiction. But apparently it gets featured in other movies. Okay. And um, another thing I saw, or another thing I read, is that this latest movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it's one of the only movies that will take place in both universes. So sure. they talk about, you know how, well, if you guys don't know, the premise of the movie is about an actor um, who's Leonardo DiCaprio's character. And, you know, he, he's an actor. He's a Hollywood actor, right? So all those movies that he comes out in in the movie, like, those are all linked to the movie universe. And I was going to say, like, the characters he was playing, I'm like, this reminds me of the character in this other yes, movie. So they intentional. Kinda, yep. Yeah, they kind of touch back to his oh, other, his other movies. Um, yeah. Are we going to get into the... Oh, yeah. you Come on, Alicia. <laughs> okay, so I just poured it to my feet because um, Quentin Tarantino is known for having, like, a foot fetish. And um, this yeah. movie, like, really does <laughs> highlight his love of feet a lot. Um, the first time I really noticed it was um, Death Proof because there's a scene where... Um, I believe her name is Zoe, yeah. but I can't think mm-hmm. of what her last name is. Um or maybe I'm mistaken, but anyway, um, the the black girl that's in the movie has her um, her feet out the window, and like they really zoom in on her feet, and you're focused on the feet, and then it's boom. for a while. Too. Yeah, like so he he really like he shows feet a lot in his movies. Yeah, if you haven't caught that already, that's not an accident. It's not a coincidence. It is a hundred percent intentional. This fool, I I read, and I don't know if this is fucking true, and I kind of wish I would have, I could unread that, but I read that he drank vodka or champagne out of Uma Thurman's Louis Vuittons. Oh, I think I've heard of that before, too. <laughs> That's real, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he's really into feet, and he really wants to put that shit in movies. Um, well, if you said he worked in an adult store, or adult movie theater, we don't know what kind of things that might have influenced, yeah, influenced that. psych. And then um, kind of to go back to like what we were saying earlier about how he kind of um, appropriates other people's um, cultures. Cultures like is this? Does he have the right to tell our story? Like we were talking about talking about that before a couple episodes ago. Like when um, people take creative license, is it a way for them to really teach us something, or is it a way for them to be racist and hide behind it? So that was kind of my question because when I was finding out more about him, um, I learned that his father's Italian. And his mother's Irish and Cherokee, but mm-hmm. I mean I haven't seen every single film, but I don't know if he's really explored um, anything about the whole Native American thing. And I feel like if you're gonna tell everyone else's story, that's something that you can definitely tell, you know. Um, and then also, you know, things with that happened in Italy and Ireland; those are things that he can definitely maybe discuss mm-hmm. in his films. So I'm like, you're talking about everyone else's 
story but if that's your background why haven't you really explored that mm-hmm. that's true I'm just that's wondering because I... not, not only that but it's 2019 at this point it's like we don't need another white guy telling us like black history or black you know or, or just in general anybody else's history and I know that he does tend to feature a lot of people of color in his movies which is you know like okay great you know but at the same time it's like what you're doing to some of these characters um i recently another thing i read actually was about um you know in the recent uh tarantino movie um there's uh, what's his name i can't remember I can't remember his real name i think you're right i think it lee. might be kurt russell no um, oh you're talking about jet lee yes his character right mm-hmm. um his daughter actually recently spoke out about it she said she's very upset in the way her dad was portrayed in the movie because Mm -hmm. he reduces a lot of these minorities into like caricatures rather than actual people yeah and that's sometimes what he tends to do again we're not taking away from his film writing but we're also not gonna apologize for saying this because it's kind of true like he's kind of kind of a shitty person (laughs) that's why i was saying like he has no problem talking about like slavery and the holocaust and things like that but why doesn't he talk about what happened here for native americans and things like that like he and you know things that people had to to go through to come to america right irish immigrants went through a bunch of shit too right that's what i'm saying you have a whole history that you can dig into and talk stop about. digging into ours. Yeah. And stop talking shit about Mexicans. What the fuck's your problem, man? Yeah. But. I think you're gonna be upset when you see the hateful ape then. Oh really? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that's a good point. Like, you know, you've already told these stories, that's interesting, but I wanna hear how you kinda tell um someone else's I mean your own story, like with your own background. Are you gonna sugarcoat it more or are you gonna still use the derogatory slang, um, hateful words that people used back then? right or is he gonna um downplay it and then um what was interesting to me was um with this movie it's mostly i think it's is it an all white cast right yeah right and i feel like the only person uh you know the only minority is lee's character right and he's kind of like the again he makes kind of like a mockery right And but I was gonna say this movie out of all his movies I've seen seems to be like a lighter touch like he seems to be it's not as um, overly racist I would say it's not as overly um, dramatic and I feel like the characters that he he um, shows us he shows us lightly but I mean he doesn't overdo them like I would say that he does with his other films like I guess some of the characters they're kind of like considered hippies right yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't i disagree i do think it's just as racist i mean there's one pretty racist thing in there i think one is enough (laughs) like all it needs to be racist and again with lee's character too but i do no no i'm not talking about the minorities i'm talking about the white people he didn't really like he could have played up the whole hippie thing but i feel like he kind of Still, oh, no, he kind of dives into that too because he's think, always the. I mean, you you're gonna hear "dirty hippie" or "dirty fucking hippie" a lot <laughs> in the in the in the movie. But I do agree that I think his character or everything else was toned down to what like Tarantino. even Sharon Tate was like. Oh, this um, apple of our eye, like sweet, innocent. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like people it, were upset about her, her too, though her character. Because, I mean, the whole story is about her, supposedly, and she has very limited lines. And it's like, well, 
what the fuck like you reduce you he also kind of reduced her to like this ditzy like oh like it's all about me i'm gonna go you know watch myself in a movie right now which yeah. i don't know if that necessarily i don't think i don't know with tarantino you're you know you're not getting actual history so right. i don't think that's true i'm gonna go ahead and say it. i don't think that happened so i don't know i just i don't know i just feel like out of all the movies this one was kind of like it was light. It was a light touch compared to yeah. If you compare it to like what we that scene we just saw, like you said, okay. If he's saying dirty fucking hippie, okay. But I'm yeah. pretty sure there's worse things that people said to oh. describe them that he could have put in there, but he didn't. I to feel the like hippies. He, yeah, I didn't maybe even not. know there was any derogatory terms for hippies. They thought I it was know. that dirty hippie. That's true. I mean, they're just hippies. Does anyone knows? I want you to email us, please. Let us know if there's a derogatory term for a hippie very true yeah because right. i don't know i don't know if i've never heard of that but but i feel like if he's gonna when he's actually portraying like a white story he picked the like the most simple one to do because i feel like calling someone a dirty hippie even nowadays mm-hmm. is not that much of an insult mm-hmm. you know what i'm you know what i'm saying i'm a self-proclaimed dirty hippie so. yeah that's what i'm saying <laughs> it's not an insult but he could have talked about other stuff like i said um, what Italians had to go through, Irish people had to go through, because they dealt with right. slurs, and they he could have done something like that, and it would have been more prolific. But I feel like with this one, he just kind of did a light dusting. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't, it wasn't yeah. the same. He could have really gone in on a lot of the psycho shit that was happening during those times. <laughs> I mean, I think the the cool thing is it he was kind of like a departure from his normal thing yes. because normally it's it's like super like violent and yes. you know exactly what's going to happen when it's going to happen this one was more of a thriller like you i know, agree yes we got excited because we're like oh we already know tarantino this is about to happen here or this is about to and it's just and like, he was like he kept nah. us guessing yep, that's and that was true. really nice i'm like normally it, i mean his stuff is good but it's kind of predictable like you know the way he sets up a scene okay someone's about to get killed there's about to be drama here but with this one he kind of teased it a little bit more i agree and um I feel like he took a risk with that because he did something a little bit different. Yeah, and he I appreciate went outside that. of outside of his uh, normal, predictable style. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. All right, guys. Well, this uh, we're done. The feast is over. <laughs> this. What is, would you give his most recent movie though? Um, out of a scale from one to ten. One to ten. Uh, let's see. Uh, seven and a half or eight. Okay. Yeah. You a seven. So, yeah. It wasn't my favorite, but it's one it that I think I need to either. I need to watch again. Yeah, I mean it wasn't fucking. My favorite movie is um, Death Proof. That's it will always go down as my favorite movie. And I'll always have you to thank for that because <laughs> you introduced me to it. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, what's your favorite Death Proof? I mean, Death Proof. What's your favorite Tarantino movie? Um, I'd probably say Death Proof too. Death Proof, right? Just because it's all about power. women's yeah. empowerment that and was badass. Um, yeah, I think it's just. Especially movie. now, that'd be something that soundtrack. that we could play because it's like women. You got to take things into your own hands, and Aww. I love it. Oh, he's badass! Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you haven't seen that one, watch that one. That's the only one really worth watching. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, just to wrap up, guys, uh, we just wanted to share a few quick things. Um, one, uh, we are going to be launching our website soon. We are diligently working. We are not very tech savvy so it's gonna take us a little bit longer because um we don't know shit about computers or (laughs) um you know designing a website so that's what we're kind of trying to learn now um so stay tuned for that because it's gonna have it's gonna be hosting all of our movie reviews and you know links to our soundtrack of the month and a bunch of also you know cool shit that we 
want to talk about with you that it's kind of hard to kind of place on, on Instagram right now because of, you know, the limited character space, the fact that we don't have actual linking tools. So stay tuned for that. And lastly, we wanted to speak on another little giveaway that we have going on. Um, so really quick, we want to kind of explain what happened with the movie night basket. Um, that is still sitting in the trunk of my car because we have not had the chance to put it together. And that's mainly because we're still missing a few pieces here and there. We wanted to find figure out the shipping situation because neither Alicia or I have a P.O. box. So we're still kind of trying to sort that out. Um, so in the meantime, we did want to, again, thank you again for taking the time to listen to our episodes. And this time, um, we want to kind of host, we're giving away another $25 movie theater gift card to a movie theater of your choice um all that we ask is that you listen to the most recent episode and that in the link we're going to share our email address but there's also you'll be able to contact us via the link on our instagram bio and all you want we want you to do is to email us telling us what you liked or did not like about this episode and if you want a double entry for this um just tell us why you love movies that's and you're gonna get a shout out on our next episode right lj yeah you'll get a shout out on our next episode and um yeah you'll get a shout out here you'll auto you'll we'll actually send a response to you letting you know that we received your email and letting you know letting you know that you've been entered it'll be going on for two weeks so starting you know today the moment you listen send us if you once you're done listening to this episode send us an email and again we will enter you for the contest and then in two weeks from tomorrow we'll announce a winner and then your gift card will be sent the following friday we just need a valid email address and for you to tell us the movie theater of your choice And as long as it's, you know, we can purchase it online. (laughs) So with that, anything else, L.E.J.? Um, We want to interact with you guys and we care about your opinion. So um, you can use our email address not only to enter the contest, but to kind of let us know what you think of the podcast, what things you'd like us to talk about in the future. Yes. um, Different things. Also, we were saying like a QA. and a segment if you have questions that you want to know like something about me or something about patty or um about something movies? In, yeah. yeah something in, in general about movies just ask us questions and then we can definitely um use those in our episodes and shout you out or if there's something that you you know you thought was really cool that maybe we didn't know you wanted to share um we just want to interact with you so yeah don't, don't be afraid to use that email yes 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 to everything ali j said i absolutely agree we do want to interact with you and with that being said we're also looking for um guests for our show if you have a passion for movies um you think we'd be a good connection guys please email us or ladies not just guys <laughs> like everyone email us so that we can uh, get in touch with you we'd love to have you on the show um we're able to work remotely if you need to so if you're i mean if you don't live in socal and can't meet up with us that's okay we have a way to um be able to record together anyway so yeah hit us up we really want to hear from you and with that goodbye bye